turn to Genesis chapter 42. Genesis chapter 42. I've, I got inspired from, uh, for this message because I've been preaching, teaching on Sunday morning at 10 on forgiveness and being Christ-like. And, and the fact that the, the very message of the life of Christ was forgiving others. And then the biggest thing that we run into of not forgiving people is the fact that we have all the reasons not to. And when you add it up, it's just a matter of saying, I would forgive them, but they have not made things right, or they don't deserve it, or they haven't earned it, or if you knew what they did, and you give all the reasons why. So if, if being Christ-like is a life for forgiving others, the way that Christ has forgiven us, and we were forgiven when we did not deserve it, but we were saved and forgiven because of the grace of God, I'm here to tell every one of us here tonight, we as Christians are to constantly show grace, not just receive grace, not just to live in grace. Our job as Christians is to show grace to others. And that is not easy. I want to show you guys a story, a passage in the Bible. But before we do, I want to show you the importance of this. And so we're going to, we're going to teach through uh, Genesis chapter 42. But before we do, I, w- I want to lay the foundation and give you guys the mindset of what this means by looking at Romans 5.1. I'll just look at two verses. Then we'll go back to Genesis and we'll stay there for the remainder of the time. And um, showing grace and understanding the position that we are. Not the condition, but the position. And I'll explain that here in a minute. Romans chapter 5 verse 1. Therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That is the position that we are. I, I am in the hand of Christ. I am saved, redeemed, pulled out of darkness, set on the rock. By whom also we have access by faith into this grace. Listen to these next two, three words. Wherein we stand. Do you know where you stand as a Christian? You stand in the grace of Jesus Christ. It is not conditional. It is positional. Christ has sat us into the place of being a child of God. And as a child of God, I cannot escape or change the position that I am, which is the grace of Jesus Christ. I'll explain that even more. So if we're to live in the grace of God, I grow in the grace of God. Every day I wake up and I go to bed and I experience throughout the day the grace of God. And I'm here to tell you guys that nothing can change that. As a Christian, as a believer, let's say I have a horrible day. Let's say, and I'm going to say this, I, I, get, I get mad at the world, I, 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 I curse in traffic, I get mad at them, I, I do all these horrible, wicked things. You know, at the end of the day and at the beginning of the day, I'm still saved by grace, God still loves me and God still forgives me. Nothing, absolutely nothing can change that. It's the position that I am as a child of God. God never stops loving me. God never stops forgiving me, and God never stops caring about me. But a lot, oftentimes, we think it's conditional. We think that God is upset at us because we've done something wrong. Not that God is not grieved or hurt, or we grieve the Holy Spirit, or any of those things. Trust me, sin separates us from our relationship with God, but it does not change our position. Let me prove it like this. It's not based on my works, or my faithfulness, or my goodness, because the Bible says, for by grace are you saved. Through faith and not of yourself. Not of your good works, not of your good deeds or any of those things, but positional because I am a child of God. Example of this is my kids experience the grace of God. 
They experience three meals a day. They experience a warm bed. They experience air condition in the summer and heat during the winter. They experience the love of dad and a, a, a roof over their heads. Not because they do good. Not because of the fact of that they run the vacuum cleaner, do the dishes, or fold a load of laundry. They do it because they are my children. I care for them, and they live in the position of my grace. So let me put it like this. Let's say, if, if I was to have a big label, and I obviously didn't do this, and I was to label this stage grace, just as you see through this whole message, this is where I live. Because you get it? When you look at me, you can look at it and say, Pastor Tony lives, experienced, stands on the grace of God. But I'm here to tell you guys, even though we stand and live and embrace the grace of God, I have an obligation with that also to give out, to show, and to display the grace of God. As much as you say, as a child of God, they shall know that we are his children because of the love that we have one for another. We should also know, the world should also know that we are his children because of the grace that we show to one another. So we're going to get into Genesis 42, a story that we normally go through and talk about the pit and the the prison and all those things. And I kind of want to, I want to skip all that. Not not that that's all good. And and we, I I love teaching on that. I love telling that story, but I don't want to focus on those things. At this point in the story, Joseph is no longer in the pit. He's no longer a slave. He is not a prisoner. Joseph is actually the second most powerful person in all of Egypt He's right under Pharaoh. Famine had struck the land. And of course, you guys know the story that he saved them all because of the knowledge and the wisdom that God gave him. He was providing answers to hurting people that were coming in from all over. He heard the voice of God for a plan. And now he's leading the the entire nation to salvation. Now people from all these nations are coming around, bowing down before them, begging and asking for, for help. And the impact is going far beyond uh, what he had at the beginning. His impact was on Potiphar and Potiphar's wife and Potiphar's first family and then the prison and the, 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 the chief uh, baker and the, you know, all those other people that were involved. So let's read together. Genesis chapter 42 verse 1. Now when Jacob saw that there was corn in Egypt, Jacob said unto his sons, Why do you look upon one another? And he said, Behold, I have heard that there is corn in Egypt. Get you down thither and buy from thence, that we may live and not die. And Joseph's ten brothers came down to buy, uh, buy corn in Egypt. But Benjamin, Joseph's brother, Jacob, sat not with his brethren. For he said, lest peradventure mischief befall him. And his sons Israel came to buy corn among those that came. And famine was in the land of Canaan. And Joseph, the governor over all the land, and he it was that sold to all the people of the land. And Joseph's brethren came and bowed down themselves before him on their faces to the earth. And Joseph saw the brethren, and he knew them, but made himself strange unto them, and spake roughly unto them. And he said unto them, Whence come ye? And they said, From the land of Canaan, to buy food. And Joseph knew his brethren, and they knew him not. Let's pray. Lord, as we get into this, I pray, Lord, that we'll walk out of here after seeing your example of giving grace everywhere we go. And Lord, I know that that is so against our flesh to show love and grace to people that don't deserve it. Lord, for those that treat us good, Lord, it's easy. For those that take care of us, Lord, it's easy. But for our enemies, for those that betray us, for those that do us wrong, Lord, this, 
This goes against everything that we know within our flesh. Lord, help us to show the world the grace of God by how we live. We pray this in your name. Amen. And, and I know talking like this morning about being Christ-like, let me show you guys how much he is Christ-like, or, or Joseph in this passage is a type of Christ. You think about these principles. Number one, he was deeply loved of his father. He was sent from the father to go minister unto the brethren. When he ran into the brethren, what happened is they betrayed him. What did they do when they betrayed him? They stripped him of his garments. They sold him for pieces of, uh, of, of money to, to betray him for the price of a slave. Does all this sound familiar? You think about this. He was innocent, yet he was lied about. He did not open up his mouth against them. They mocked him because who he claimed to be. And at the end of it, he rose up to be a ruler over all of them. The whole time that all this was going on, he was showing love and ministry and the grace of God to everybody that he experienced. Now, you guys can't tell me that 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 is not a picture of Jesus Christ. Every one of us, every one of us here should be a picture of Jesus Christ. Every one of us should go in a world that betrays Jesus Christ, does not love us. They're not going to walk in here and say, man, we're so glad that the church is here, that we step out into a world that rejects God and shows the love and grace and kindness that God showed us. We are ambassadors. We're to display these things. We're to be so different than the world. And all the while, he had one goal in mind, and that was absolutely to bring glory to God. Now, Jacob and his family were hungry. They go to his brothers, and you, you read right there, and he says, what, what are you guys looking down at? Well, they were in a huddle. They were talking, and Jacob said, what are you guys talking about? He said, well, we found out that there's corn. He said, you guys go. I don't want you taking Benjamin, though. He said, I, I can't give up another one of my babies. I cannot do it. You guys go, but leave Benjamin behind. He said, that mischief doesn't fall on him. So they send them down to buy food because this was their only hope. Now, here's another thing. This is so cool. Another picture of Christ in this passage. They came to approach all the leaders of Egypt and they said, here's the thing. Only one guy approves the food going out of here. There is only one way you're getting food. There's only one person that can save you. And that is Naph, that was uh, Zaphnaphpania. And you say, well, I thought it was Joseph. Well, he had a new name. He's speaking in another tongue, in another language. They didn't know that it was him. So they come down and they said, there's only one person that can save you. You've got to bow before this one ruler. Another picture of Jesus Christ. Another example that, that Jesus, in the Bible even says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. It was only one way. It had to be through Joseph. They came before Joseph, and he recognizes who they were. You talk about a moment. You can imagine all the times that he thought about going through. Now, you guys can spiritualize him. I promise you, he went through those lows of thinking, if I could get revenge... Those times of being in prison, those times of being mistreated, those times of following behind that caravan as he's being sold into a foreign country. If I could go back to him, man, he should have, Simeon should have stuck up for me. Those other guys shouldn't have done that. What did I ever do to them? Lord, if I ever had the chance. But God changed him. Because we, we've been changed by God. He saw the redemption of God. He saw that God had bigger plans. He saw the hand of God on all of them. God ought to change us. God does change us into his image. That at the end of the story, when they encountered them, they encountered God. They encountered grace. They encountered redemption. They encountered something different. Now they're kneeling at his feet. 
Let me ask you guys, how many of you have a brother? Raise your hand. How many of you have ever been done wrong by your brother? Raise your hand. Not many hands went down. Okay, that means most of you. Bubba, you got you to back me up on this. And you're, you're, you're part of this. So, so, so I'm working at Winn-Dixie. And uh, Winn-Dixie is a, a redneck uh, grocery store down in Alabama. And uh, yeah, and so uh, I worked my way up through the ranks, and I am now an official part of the meat department. I don't, I don't want you guys thinking of me all big and everything, but yes, I did work my way up to the meat department. And uh, in the meat department, you didn't just work in the meat department. That was the only department in the entire store that you had to wear this big white, uh, look like a doctor coat, and you had to wear a, uh, a hairnet that wasn't just clear through. It was white. You had to, it was this giant puffy hairnet. I promise you, that there was no getting girls to look twice at you or anything. I mean, there was no way to make any of that wardrobe look cool whatsoever. And so I, would, I, I worked in prepackaged meat, which means that I stocked the bologna and the salami and, you know, all those kind of meats and stuff like that in, in the meat department. Well, one day... I get, and I, this never happened, over the PA system, they said, Tony Liuzzo, you have a phone call on, uh, on, on what, line number one or whatever it was. I can't remember. And I was like, why would I, why would I have a phone call? And, and I run over and I'm like peculiar. I'm like, nobody calls me here. You know, like, I was like, hello. And then it was this evil person on the other side. And I'm telling you, an evil person on the other side. I, I don't remember if it was Bubba or Dave. And they get on the phone and they said, you better get out to the parking lot right now. And I'm like, no, what did they do? And I had a really nice car. I run out to the parking lot and they stuck up all my windshield wiper and did all this. And I shouldn't even be telling you guys this story. They went to my house and took every pair of underwear that I had and completely decorated my car. With all of my, I mean, it just, it looked like this giant rainbow thing. And if that wasn't bad enough, these idiots were driving around my car, honking the horn, yelling out the window and getting everybody in the parking lot to look at my car. That wasn't the worst part. Now this dude in this big puffy hat and this robe is running like an animal out through the parking lot, yelling, trying to get them. As I'm pulling all this underwear and sticking it in my jacket and trying to save my dignity with all my coworkers and everybody in this place. I promise you, if mom would have come up to me and said, Tony, you show him grace. Not a chance. Not a chance. And I know what you're going to say. The Bible says, vengeance is mine. I, am, I will repay. My prayer was, God, I know vengeance is yours. Can I just help? Just let me help. I'll be your assistant. Send me to do your dirty work, Lord. I'll do it. I, I tell you what, I've got a hundred more stories like that, and Bubba knows. But we're not talking about his brothers just embarrassing him with his entire drawer of underwear. I was trying to figure out how I could press charges against my brother. I don't know how you could do that. And then I thought, if I call and report him stealing my underwear, I'd hate for that. He stole your what? You know, it's like, I don't want that on anybody's record anyway. So let, let me walk you guys through here and show you this amazing display of God's grace. You say, yeah, I, I thought it was Joseph's grace. You realize God's grace ought to flow through us. 
That's what you're going to see. And you're going to say, wow, look at Joseph. No, look at God. No brother could humanly do what he did. Nobody. And I'm going to see that it wasn't conditional. Because if it was conditional, he would have said, kill them all. But it was positional. He said, those aren't my brothers. Those are, that's my family. You don't touch them. Let me show you, first of all, the undeserving request. They had money. They showed up with money. But the thing is, that Egypt did not care about their money. This, this was complete mercy. This was complete. You don't, if we say no to you, you're just going to go home and die. This wasn't a money thing. This was we're starving. You're the only one that has any kind of food. And they came before Joseph. And he loved them. But the last impression that he had of them was hate, rejection, lies, and betrayal. But all these feelings came back over him of the relationship that was torn. And the fact that he loved them. The fact that he wanted more than anything for the relationship to be restored. Man, have, can you can imagine being there. Notice what he wanted them to prove their sincerity inside of this verse 20. He says, but bring your youngest brother unto me. So shall your words be verified and you shall not die. And they did so. And they said one to another, We are verily guilty concerning our brother, and that he saw the anguish of his soul when he besought us, and we would not hear. Therefore is this distress come upon us. I want to show you what happened. Let me show you what's going on on the other side of this. As Joseph is inner, being involved with this situation, and he's confronting them, and, and they're standing there with this gift and all these things to give them, we begin to see a, a conviction that is displayed by the brothers. They begin to be in conviction and they begin to acknowledge we've done wrong. We should have never done these things. The exact words are, we are very guilty considering our brother. Joseph's goal was not to call them out on their wrong, but to restore the relationship that was broken. Verse 22, and Reuben answered and saying, Spake not I unto you, saying, Do not sin against the child? He would not hear. Therefore, behold, also his blood is required. And they knew not that Joseph understood them, for he spake unto them by an interpreter. Not only did they have conviction, but they expressed repentance. We should not have done this. You know what the goal in all of this was? And the grace of God is to pull people back in the relationship with him. Guys, in all that we do at church and school and work and home or whatever is not about us. It's all about our God. It is all about them seeing God in us and all of us showing grace, whether the store or somebody cuts you off or showing grace in a coworker that does not deserve it. You show them grace that they see God. They're, they're expressing repentance in this moment. And notice the overwhelming love of the Christian overwhelming one, the love of the one that represents God. Verse 24, and he turned himself about from them and he wept and turned to them again and communed with them and took from them Simeon and bound him before their eyes and he's going to hold him back as almost a, of a safety note of, hey, you're not getting him back until you come back. Let me see my brother. Let me see the ones that I love so much. And then we see the next part. Not only their undeserving request, but the overwhelming love. Because you're going to see something happen. See, when, when I was yet a sinner, Christ died for me. When I did not deserve it. So bring that person to mind right now that you're saying they so don't deserve this. 
or if you had any idea how I was used or manipulated or treated, man, look at this. When we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. Genesis 42, verse 25, Then Joseph commanded to fill their sacks with corn and to restore every man his money into his sack and to give them provision for the way. And thus he did unto them. And they laded their asses with corn and departed thence. And so over there, and he's, man, nobody knew that those were his brothers, but he's like, see those guys right there? Load them up. See those guys right there? Give them their money back. See those guys, and, and, and if, they, if anybody would have had an idea and saying, wait a minute, those are your brothers that betrayed him? It wasn't about that. Give them what they don't deserve. He was overflowing love on them, showing the love of God, showing them mercy in the midst of tragedy. Joseph was making it very clear that he loved them, and they didn't even get it. Isn't it kind of cool in all this that they didn't know that Joseph could understand them? You know, he kept talking in, in the Bible, the way he was describing, he was talking like in a voice to distort his voice. But then he was talking with their tongue. So they didn't even know. And every time he would talk, somebody would be an interpreter, interpret it to them. How cool is this what's going on right here? And the whole time he was hearing their hearts, he was hearing the repentance, he's hearing all this. The whole time that we're doing the work of God, God is reading their hearts. God knows our hearts. God knows what's going through their minds. Jesus never stopped loving us the way that Joseph never stopped loving them. This is love, and this is grace. But I want you to see next the incredible invitation. Something happens that totally went against their culture. And you say, the grace, man, grace is all through this story. The grace that he gave them food to begin with. The grace that he overloaded them. The grace that he gave them his money back. Then we see another display of his grace when he gets back. He tells his servants, invite them back to my house. Now, to have dinner with them might have been something. But nobody, no foreigner, is going to walk into the home of the second person in charge and sit down and have dinner. They had run out of food again, and they were coming back. And so we see this incredible invitation. And he said, Dad, if we go back, we have to take Benjamin. And he was very reluctant, but he said, all right, take Benjamin with you. Then dad says in this passage, and I'm ad-libbing, of course, and not getting into it. Why did they tell you you have to bring your brother back? And they were like, dad, it's almost like they knew. He said, dad, I'm going to tell you something else that was really weird. They were asking a lot about you, almost like he was concerned about you. All this is going on, and they were not putting the pieces together. But see, God had it all figured out. God has us all figured out. Verse 14, and God Almighty gave you mercy before the man that he may send you away with your other brother and Benjamin. If, if be bereaved of my children, I am bereaved. And the men took that present and they took the double money in their hand and Benjamin and rose up and went down into Egypt and stood before Joseph. And when Joseph saw Benjamin with them, he said to the ruler in his house, bring these men home and slay and make ready or, or slay the fatted calf in a sense and make ready a feast. For these men shall dine with me at noon. And as the man did, as Joseph bade, and the man brought the men into Joseph's house. They were, they were not just invited to a meal. They were invited into a table of fellowship. Does, is any of this kind of like, how cool is this of what God does with us? God doesn't just say, all right, you're now my servants and my slaves and put you at arm's length. No, God brings the enemy those that betrayed him, those that turned their, their backs against them. 
It's like the Last Supper with Peter on one side, doubting Thomas in the middle, and Judas on the left. This is what he's doing. He brings them into fellowship. Guys, when's the last time you showed grace like that? You you think about that family member that you said, man, I want nothing to do with them, to call them up and to say, hey, what are you doing tomorrow? What are you doing for Thanksgiving this year? We want you to come over. I I, I thought you were mad at us. Well, see, see, grace steps in. See, grace stepped in with you and I. Why does grace not step in with those that have done us wrong? To pour out love to the undeserving. They were not just invited to a meal. They were, divi- they were invited into fellowship with the very person they betrayed and hurt the most. And you cannot do this in your flesh. Imagine the servants being confused. Why do you want them? What worth do they have to you? Well, they had no idea. Verse 28, and they answered, Thy servant, our father, is in good health. He is yet alive. And he lifted up his eyes and he saw his brother Benjamin, his mother's son, and said, Is this your younger brother of whom you spake unto me? And he said, God be gracious unto thee, my son. And Joseph made haste, for his bowels did yearn upon his brother, and he sought where to weep. And he entered into his chamber and wept there. You want to talk about love? He saw his family, and he had to literally back away as he wept. As he wept for how much he loved them. Because you're never going to show grace on this level until you're broken over those that have betrayed us and hurt us. Perfect illustration. What did Jesus do before he went to the cross? He went to the garden and he wept over those that were about to nail him to a cross. What would shake this world? I'm, I'm saying really shake this world. Pastor Joe did a great job this morning as he was talking about that the world would see our humility. I mean, that that we would just get on our hands and knees and serve and and, in symbolism of washing their feet. And I know that looks different in the workplace or whatever, but that they see that. He washed his face and he went out and refrained himself and he sat and sat on bread. He was overwhelmed with love for them. See, Joseph saw beyond their failures. He saw the relationship that he wanted to have with them. Then we see the unexplainable forgiveness. In chapter 44, Joseph sent them to go back. And in the the midst of that, he planted a cup within there to kind of bust them. You know what I'm saying? Why did you take this? And kind of a very uh, creative way of getting them back. And they come back. And in chapter 45, verse 1... Then Joseph could not refrain himself before all them that stood by him. And he cried, because every man, he caused every man to go out from him. And there he stood, no man with him, while Joseph made himself known unto his brethren. Now you can, you can imagine this thought. I, I, I don't know about you guys, but I have chills even reading those very words. I'm thinking these guys think they're about to die or something. You, you can imagine this, this ruler that has literally their entire future in their hands. That's made all these goofy requests at this and he's in this, this spot and he turns and he begins to weep and lose control of his emotions. And then he says in his language and tells everybody to get out. He had all the garb and everything on and he begins to pull it off and be able to get down on his knees. And he wept aloud and the Egyptians of the house of Pharaoh heard him. How much weeping, how much brokenness did he have? And Joseph said unto his brethren, I am Joseph, doth my father yet live? His brother could not answer 
him, for they were troubled at his presence. First of all, they felt like they saw a ghost. They had no question that they would ever see him again, whether or not see him alive, whether or not see him as the second most powerful ruler in all of Egypt. And they always probably thought, oh, we're about to die, guys. And Joseph said to his brother, come near unto me, I pray you. And they came near, and he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. Even calling them out on it. I am Christ whom thou crucified. I am a Christian that I know that you're thinking that you don't deserve this. And yes, you've done me wrong. You betrayed or you lied to me. But I'm about to show you grace. I'm about to give you something that you totally don't deserve. Now therefore be not grieved nor angry with yourselves that you sold me hither. For God did send me before you to preserve life. You know what it is? They saw, Joseph saw the bigger picture. Guys, do you see the bigger picture of why we're here? We fight and deal with junk every day on this level. Fight with people at work and your family and raising fists and division and all these things. And God says, are you not looking forward to eternity? You could be their only hope. You could be their only voice. The only representation of God in their life. And you're letting something petty divide you. We're going to work the fact that we can get so upset with the hours that they give us or so-and-so doesn't pull his way or my boss is so unfair. And so we don't show grace, we show bitterness and anger. How are they ever going to see God in us if that's what they see? He said, well, I'm no Joseph. See, Joseph was just a man. Joseph just saw the bigger picture. Joseph, in that last thing, he said, hey, God did this. God's in this. Peradventure, God has brought me here to save you. And you say, what is the relationship to us with that? Yes, God has brought us into this world to save those because of the wrath to come. That's why we're here. His forgiveness was fueled by his love. His forgiveness was given to them freely. Let me give you the best part. And this brings us to our conclusion, which is the outpouring of grace. This part is amazing. Genesis 45, verse 10, And thou shalt dwell in the land of Goshen, and thou shalt be near unto me, thou and thy children, and thy children's children, and thy flock, and thy herds, and all that thou hast. Do you realize what's going on here? He says, you know how you live in famine? You know how your land is barren? You know how you're starving, and your cattle are dying, and your children are dying, and your grandchildren are dying, and your family is without, and you have nothing he said, I want you, your children, your grandchildren, all of your animals. I want you to come and I want you to live here and I want you to live in bounty and blessings and peace and satisfaction. You're going to tell me this isn't a picture of Christ? How God takes us out of the famine and puts, puts us into a place of blessing? How we were so separated by the one that we betrayed and he said, all I want is for you to be close to me? That is Jesus over and over and over in this. And remember, we're Christ-like, right? We're to be like him. And I will, and there will I nourish thee. For yet there are five years of famine, lest thou and thy household and all that thou hast come to poverty. And behold, for your eyes see, and thy eyes of thy brother Benjamin, that it is my mouth that speaketh unto you. He said, this is coming straight from the one that has the power to make these promises and behold, your eyes see, or jump down to verse 13. And ye shall tell my father all my glory in Egypt and all that ye have seen. And ye shall admit all, 
Haste and bring down my father hither. And he fell upon his brother Benjamin's neck and wept. And Benjamin wept upon his neck. Moreover, he kissed all his brethren and wept upon them. And after all that, his brethren talked with him. Do you understand what's going on here? Let me lay it out like this. We all understand the principles that we give to other people. Number one, when somebody does us wrong, the first thing that comes into our mind is vengeance. You know what vengeance would have been for Joseph? Vengeance for Joseph would have been dig a pit and throw them in it. I want them to feel what I felt. That's the first thing that comes to our flesh. Joseph did not give them vengeance. Could have been justice. Justice would have been Joseph standing back going, I am the ruler of Egypt and I want all of you to be put on trial. I want to tell this land what you did to their ruler and I want justice to be done to every single one of you. I want you to pay for the crimes that you committed. That would have been justice. Or it could have been mercy. Mercy could have been they've fallen at his feet. Joseph stands up before him and says, you know what, I'm going to withhold punishment that is deserved. Every one of you deserve to go back and die of starvation because of what you did to me. But instead, load them up with food and let them go feed their families. That would have been mercy. But that's not what he gave them. He gave them grace. Grace is he gave them more than they deserved. Grace is him saying, not only am I going to withhold punishment, not only am I going to love you in spite of all this, but I want you to come back. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to make you my family. I'm going to give you a home. And I'm going to nourish you and take care of you for the rest of my life. What did God give us? Now let me word it like this. What do you give others? What do you give others? What do people experience from us? An outpouring of God's grace upon those that do not deserve it. They've got to see Jesus. And that's what I'm telling you. They have got to experience Jesus through us. If they don't experience Jesus through us, let me ask you, where in the world is society ever going to experience Christ and his love? 